July weekend to you, Independence Weekend, where we celebrate freedom. And wasn't that a great prayer time with Pastor Bo? Um, this morning as he and I gathered together to pray for you and to pray for the services today and um, to pr- pray for the Lord's goodness and continued direction here at Calvary, he shared that story with me. And, and literally in that moment I said, you know, what I was going to share in that prayer time, just ex that, right? You've got to share that because the power of what he shared um, this morning on this weekend is very meaningful for me as a Christian, for you as a Christian, and also as a follower of Jesus in our country today. So um, I'm just grateful for that prayer time, very meaningful. Um, I also want to recognize all of our military servicemen and women. Um, if you are serving or you have served this country in the military, would you just stand for just a moment in this room and also for those of you online as well? Hey, look where you are. I just want you to stand. We as a church are very, very grateful for all of you. Thank you so much. That's right. Thank you, Calvary family. Yes, indeed. Um, It just means the world um, as a pastor and as a church, uh, what you gave a significant portion of your life to do and what you're giving uh, your life to do. It is not taken for granted um, by people that truly understand liberty, that truly understand that there is no freedom without a cost. Um, (laughs) Lee Greenwood, who who wrote that wonderful song about America, right? he says the reality is that our freedom was sealed in blood, and that is of those who have served this country to protect the freedoms that you see even today uh, so many people talk about in different perspectives. Um, I'm grateful to be reminded of what matters, and thank you for standing for what matters, for serving for what matters. We are very thankful here at Calvary. Uh, Pastor Bo shared that, being thankful, right? Are you thankful for the people in your life that bring out the best in you, that encourage you when you go through a difficult, challenging time, that help you to see the other side, to help you to walk toward a better life, toward freedom, toward something that is more meaningful than perhaps the pit, the despair, the discouragement. Aren't you grateful for good people in your life that help lead you in the right direction, who speak life into you and and not destruction or despair or discouragement aren't you thankful for people that actually not only stand with you but they can guide you in the right direction they can guide you toward truth they can help you see things that you couldn't see on your own or maybe you weren't willing to see but you have good people in your life aren't you grateful for a church a church that stands with you that helps you know your god a god who is a very present God who is very aware, who pays attention to you, and who is so personal that He intervenes by sending His Son, the Savior, Jesus Christ, not only to rescue your soul and to pay for our sins, but to walk with you day in and day out through every part of life. Aren't you grateful for your church and the freedom to worship Jesus, to worship together? So many things to be grateful for, and so... Um, I'm excited about that. Today we're going to continue our series, Family of Faith, and I'm going to talk about freedom. Yeah, (laughs) kind of hard to come up on a 4th of July weekend, right, and not talk about the power of freedom. Jesus said it this way, whoever I make free will be free indeed. 
that the freedom that Christ gives is real freedom. So today I want to talk about real freedom. And I want to use one of those stories in the family of faith we've been looking at these great people, heroes of faith, men and women of faith in the Old Testament, who in the family of faith, they show us a principle of how to live by faith. They actually teach us at Calvary as the family of faith here on mission with Jesus in New Orleans to impact not only New Orleans, but the world, which is why we sent out our mission team. They teach us how to live by faith, even in a very discouraging, challenging, difficult time in our world and in our nation. Uh, these men and women show us what it means to trust God. They show us who God is and how we can lean on Him. And today we're going to continue in the story of Moses. Get your Bibles. Turn to the book of Exodus. And we're going to look at Exodus chapter 3, 15 verses in Exodus. And today as we look at this, one of the things that I'm, I'm moved by is this whole conversation of freedom. As you're getting your Bibles ready, God's going to send Moses to initiate a process that brings freedom to a group of people. It's a powerful story. Many of us can relate to that story in our own personal way. It, it, it strikes up imagery, perhaps, in your own life. But it's more than just um, a physical freedom that he gives them. Um, there's more to this story than just a group of people being set free from bondage. Freedom is the opposite of bondage. When you think about freedom, freedom is the opposite of bondage. You might even use the word that would strike a nerve for many people today, the word slavery, right? Freedom is the opposite of that. Freedom is the, the ability to understand what it means to have been set free from something oppressive. Now, I read the same news that perhaps you've read and watched and, and seen all this week, unless you were in Romania and Ukraine, of which it didn't matter. Isn't that striking? That if you were serving somewhere else with people who they're not worried about all the stuff, imagery, challenges that we get all wrapped up in physically, emotionally, mentally here in our nation where we are free. People who are losing their country, people who are losing everything else, they're not worried about our drama, our news. Now, not to make light of the issue that's come out in light of a Supreme Court decision and a lot of things happening in our country, you, you've seen both sides um, really express themselves quite well. And, and in some regard, um, maybe even quite immaturely honestly, for a nation that stands on this principle of freedom. You know, what I've discovered as I began to think about this and as I looked at this message as I prepared it this week, because I, I knew who I was talking about and I knew what passage I was talking about, but I didn't know what was going to happen in our own culture. And as I began to think about freedom, July the 4th weekend, and what it means for me as a citizen, but more importantly, what it means for me as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a Christian, I began to really understand this one principle that I'm going to give you today, this life lesson, of what it really means to have freedom. So if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. Uh, this will help you as you prepare for perhaps your celebration or perhaps your alternative arrangements tomorrow. Some of you have to work. I get it. But I want you to think about this even as you work 
Maybe as you spend time tomorrow contemplating what it means to have freedom. Here's the lesson. Only the Lord gives true freedom. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Only the Lord. Who's the Lord? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Only the Lord gives you and I true freedom. Freedom, the absence of bondage. Here's what I've learned. Many things that I think over my time of life as a, as a citizen, as a person, as someone with desires, um, things that I want to see happen that maybe have happened or haven't happened, most of the times that I, the things that I chase or pursue that I think will bring freedom, they only bring bondage. Now, when you think about a lot of the discussions that are going on, and, and I wish they were more of discussions, they're more of yelling matches. Unfortunately, it seems that more, uh, more so today than at any other time, uh, it's how much we hate the other side rather than how much we can dialogue and talk about things. They're not really discussions. But nonetheless, if you look at our culture today, the things that are discussing uh, in our world that we're struggling with as American citizens with American freedom, uh, they are things that really, ultimately, if you look at them, they may not lead as much to freedom as they do to bondage. Pain, hurt, destruction. Um, and yes, we would say, well, um, I have the freedom to do whatever I want. At whose expense? And See, that's where I think we miss the boat so many times is that freedom always comes at someone else's expense. Those of you who serve in the military, you understand that. Those of you who have served, you understand that. Freedom always costs somebody something else. So before we go, oh, it's my freedom and my, excuse me, I'll get that in a minute because that's going to be important for what we're going to do in a minute. Before we go into this point of I have freedom to do whatever I want, at whose expense, right? It always costs somebody something else. And I've always said this, that Usually, it's someone else's shoulders or sacrifice that gives us the ability to have something great happen in our life, right? Freedom. Freedom is something that has to go hand in hand. It is the opposite of bondage. And if something creates bondage in our lives, that's not freedom. That's not something that truly sets free. When I think about the story we're about to read, you're going to see a picture of what real freedom looks like, what true freedom looks like. And you're going to understand, just as I do, that only true freedom, true freedom, it only comes from God. God is the only one that sets us truly free. And he does that very clearly through his son, of which we will remember when we take communion together in just a bit. Here's what the scriptures say in Exodus chapter 3, a wonderful passage. You know it well. It's the burning bush Moses moment. And it says this, chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was pasturing pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he, that's Moses, he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. That's pretty amazing, right? Very unique. I mean, I'd be amazed at that. Moses is amazed. So what does he do? Verse 3, he says, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he, Moses, turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush. And God said to him, Moses, Moses. And Moses replied, he said, here I am. Then he said, the Lord said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place which you are standing is holy ground. He said also, 
I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters. I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land, from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Verse 10. Therefore, come now, and look what God says to Moses, I will send you. I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Thank God. Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, certainly I will be with you. That's the Lord's promise to Moses. And this shall be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Then Moses said to God, behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel. And I will say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am. Who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial name to all generations. This passage picks up where we left off a couple of weeks ago when we talked about purpose. God has a purpose for every one of you. Now, we talked about that on Father's Day. So, gentlemen, God has a purpose for you. How do you know that? You're here, right? You don't have to be here, but you are, and God has a purpose for you. Uh, this passage happens at the 80th year of Moses' life. So, gentlemen... Just by way of reminder, it doesn't matter your age. This passage, this moment happens at Moses' 80th year. Ladies, this happens at Moses' 80th year. So there's never a point that you're too old to not be involved in God's redemptive work to set people free, to be involved in God's work here on earth. He's 80 years old, and yet God used him at this very moment. So it's not too late, by the way. When I think about freedom, God uses people to help other people understand the freedom that only he can give. And the reality is that most of the things we chase in this world, they don't bring freedom, they bring bondage. Alcohol, for example, you'll pursue that and people will pursue that and it gives you a, a certain feeling, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, you find yourself hooked on that and it's hard to get off of that. Drugs, people get into that and it helps you escape or, or, or you, you think it's something, it makes you feel good for a moment, then it's hard to get off of that. That freedom creates what? 
what? Bondage. Lust. It does the same thing. You chase after something and then ultimately that lust locks you into something that you don't want to be and that freedom creates bondage. You want out of your marriage, right? And then you end up divorced and then all of a sudden you find yourself with a whole lot difficult pattern or somebody walks out on you and they leave you. And what does that create? More bondage, more difficulty. Hey, you get the freedom to make a choice, right? It's my right to do that. And all of a sudden you make a choice and it damages someone else. It takes the life of someone else. That's not freedom, right? Freedom that leads to bondage is not freedom at all. It's bondage. It's slavery. And if we're not careful as people, it's not an ancient term to be used that we think is just something physical. We're not careful. Even today, we will all become slaves of something else. We will become bondage. We will be in bondage to some other form of either someone, substance, something, or quite frankly, sin. Only the Lord can break us free from bondage. And only the Lord, only God, can give true freedom. When I look at this passage, I learn a lot from what God does for the people right there and how he uses Moses to do it. And I think to myself, how am I today? How are you today? How are we today like Moses? How are we today as citizens getting ready to celebrate a holiday that is the independence of our nation from a tyranny in a government of the time way back when at our first Independence Day? How are we today any different? How do we reflect freedom in the right way? Well, the way you reflect it in the right way is not just as a citizen of the United States of America. The way you truly understand freedom is as a Christian, is a citizen of heaven which is greater than any country of the world, and is a citizen of the best father, king, person ever, a citizen of heaven because of Jesus, your relationship with Jesus. What does it mean to be a Christian and to understand true freedom, to be set free from bondage? Well, I think the Lord shows us what that looks like, and there are a few things today that I'll give to us before we take communion together to remember true Freedom. Number one, let's talk about the Lord who gives us freedom. Our God, He is a God who redeems. Freedom is about redemption. Freedom is always about redemption. A price being paid for someone else to be set free. Always. Freedom at its core is about redemption. And our God, He is a God of redemption. He was a God of redemption in Genesis when Adam and Eve fell, and He's been a God of redemption throughout all of history. And guess what? He's still a God of redemption today, or you and I would not be here. <laughs> he sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to redeem us. Our God is a God who redeems. Now let's look at the Scripture for just a moment, because Moses is a beautiful picture of redemption. And maybe you can relate to this moment in life in your life. Maybe you've had these kind of struggles. Um, first of all, gentlemen, Moses is working for his father-in-law. <laughs> now, I know as a man, that will strike at your pride as a man, right? Um, he's working, he's keeping his father-in-law's flock. These are not Moses's flocks. This is not Moses's business. This is not Moses's opportunity. What's he doing? He's been spending the last 40 years not making a name for himself, not moving ahead in leadership, not becoming a better business owner for himself. He's keeping Jethro's flocks, right? Now, that would strike at the core of most of 
us as men because of this innate sense of pride that we have. We're also, as Moses in this moment, he's in the wilderness. Have you ever lived through a season of life where you feel like you're in the wilderness? You don't know why you're there. You don't know what's going on. You're just plodding along day after day, working, trying to figure out life. And maybe you're in the wilderness because you have a moment that you regret and that you deeply struggled through in your life. Maybe that's why you feel like God's forgotten about you. Maybe that's why you feel like you belong in the wilderness. You deserve the wilderness. There are probably some people in your life that say you do. You deserve that. God's punishing you. That's why you're there. That's where Moses is in this moment, right? Maybe you felt that. Maybe you have felt these kind of struggles. Moses has his problems. Um, he has his past to deal with. He has his perspective to deal with, by the way. What happens when God says, hey, Moses, I'm going to send you and you're going to deliver freedom. You're going to be an instrument of freedom to my people. And Moses goes, who am I? Why would Moses have responded, who am I? Because he felt incapable of being redeemed based on his past, based on his failures, based on the way that other people viewed him. He had to run away. He's in the wilderness. He may not feel significant. Who am I? There is no way that you could use me to do something so great. Do you realize that five times, five times, God speaks to Moses. Five times, Moses tries to get out of what God wants him to do. Five times. God speaks to Moses directly five times. Here you have just the beginning of it. Moses saying, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I don't belong. I failed. I have this sin in my life. I have this blemish, this mark. I'm in the middle of nowhere. But don't you realize that God knew exactly what he was doing in the life of Moses by allowing all of those experiences over 80 years to accumulate to a moment where God would redeem Moses and redeem his people? 80 years worth of experiences. You see, Moses had to learn through failure and through shepherding flocks in the wilderness what it would take to truly be successful and shepherd God's people out of bondage. It's a beautiful picture. Only God could redeem that. Only God could redeem all of the circumstance around Moses' life and use him to bring freedom. Our God is a God who brings freedom. Think about it. You make a mistake, and people are going to cut you down. You do something wrong in your life, and it doesn't measure up, people will ridicule you. They'll gossip about you. They'll destroy you. They'll rip you to shreds. They'll think you never measure up, right? They will do that. God will set you free. God will love you. God will redeem your mistakes, your family, your future, your opportunities. That's who God is. People are not that way. Governments are not that way. <laughs> disagree with them or disagree with the side that has control or disagree in general with the people that have the loudest voice and guess what happens? Well, you're just wrong. You're an enemy and you don't deserve to live, belong, be a part of the whole conversation. That's what you see happening in our country today. God does not do that, people, church Christians, God is a God who redeems only freedom. He's the only God that can give that kind of freedom. He is the one true God who gives true freedom to those whom he redeems and who trust him. When I look at this passage, I understand he is a God, our God, the Lord, is one who redeems. Secondly, 
Our God, He is a God who is present. He is a God who is present. He not only redeems, redeem is not merely a past tense experience. Yes, many of us would look in our lives and go, I got saved. (laughs) Do you remember when you got saved? You remember when you gave your heart to Jesus? If we're not careful, we will look at that experience as a past tense experience. I got saved. So that happened way back then, and then it's kind of like anything else. If we're not careful, we become apathetic toward the freedom of our souls that we have been given by God. And so then we leave in the past our freedom moment where we responded to God's mercy, grace, love, and salvation through His Son, Jesus, and then we just plug along, we just plot along. But our God is not just a God who redeems in the past. He's a God who redeems because He is a God who is present. He's present right now in your life. Think about this moment with Moses. How long had God been working and waiting to show up for Moses in a burning bush moment? How long? His whole life. You see, God was there the whole time. What's interesting about the story of Moses, if you look at it, there are some miraculous moments of God's presence in the life of Moses. We looked at those a couple of weeks ago. They are moments where God showed up. When did Moses recognize it? Eighty years later. Which shows you and I that it's the moment of our burning bush experience. Usually that's what it takes to get our attention to wake up and realize, oh, God's present. He's been there the whole time. I just hadn't been paying attention. What happens in this moment with Moses? Oh, look, it's a burning bush. I think I will turn aside and go look because i got to see this. This is a miraculous moment. And it's so true that when we wake up and we turn aside to God, that's when we hear His voice. When we wake up and we turn aside to see what God is doing, we pay attention to a God who's always been present. But for some reason, it just takes us a while to wake up as humans. I don't know what it is, but we wake up and we turn aside to see. That's when God, all of a sudden, He's been there the whole time. Our God is a God who is present. He's not just present for you and I. He's present for all people who long for Him, who search for Him, and who desire to know the truth. You see, it took a burning bush moment to open Moses' eyes, but God was always there. How do we know this? When you look at the passage, what you see is God describes His interactions with people. Now, He had been there in Moses' life, but He had also been there in the lives of of all the other people out there that were struggling, suffering, and seeking His face. God says, verse 6, I am. I am means present. We'll come back to that. But then He says in verse 7, I have surely seen. There's never a moment where God doesn't see what you're going through. Never one. Now, that's not like supposed to be weird. Oh, God's watching me. (laughs) You know, that's how some people will take it, right? So I'm not going to do something bad because God's watching me. No, that's... That's foolishness and that's childish. No, God is always there. He's always watching you tenderly, lovingly. He's always concerned about what's going on. God's not only there as He sees. Look at what else He says. I have heard their cry. God always hears. So He hears the prayers of those who cry out. He always hears. If you're crying out to God, He hears you. If you're crying out to the crowd, they don't. 
you're crying out for something that creates bondage, it's going to bind you up. It's going to tie you down. It will pull your life to a place you don't want it to be. But when you cry out to the Lord, He's a God who sees. He's a God who hears. The Bible says in verse 7, God says, I am aware. So I see what they're going through. I hear their cries, and I'm aware of their sufferings. Do you realize that God is present because He is aware of exactly what you're going through right now? God's aware. He's not off in the distance. He's not a, a God that someone just made up. He's very aware. He's very keenly involved in every detail of your life right now. Fascinating when I look at this because that's the kind of God that shows up to bring freedom. He's a God who is present. He's not only a God who is present. Look at verse 8. He is a God who acts. <laughs> He's a God who is involved. He's a God who shows up. I have come down. I have come down. God has condescended. He has come down from the holiness of heaven. Look at this. So that I may bring my people up. <laughs> I have come down. So I have seen. I have heard, I am aware, and I have descended so that I can bring my people up. Whew, if that doesn't create chills on you, then you better check your pulse and your relationship with Jesus right now, right? Because only God, being so present, so involved, so concerned, would step down to build you up. Do you realize how hard it is to pull somebody up? It's next to impossible. Now, don't get discouraged if you're in a pit. But the reality is, it's hard to get out of a pit. I was visiting with a friend this morning. He told me, first thing, been sober for nine months. I said, dude, that is amazing. Do you know how hard it is to stay sober, much less for nine months? i got another friend who's been through it, and his son has been sober now for several years. That is hard. It is hard to get out of a pit. You know how you get out of a pit, Jesus? Because most people can't pull you out of a pit, but Jesus can. Most people can't get out of a pit, but when they find the Lord, when they find religion, they get out of the pit. It's funny how finding a God, a relationship with God who is present, not far away, not distant, not a God who just winds up the clock and lets it run and doesn't care. No, finding a relationship with a God who's there. Changes everything about your life and your understanding of what it means to be set free. God acted. I have stepped down to bring them up. By the way, you can't miss the connection. That's Jesus in case you caught it. Moses is a picture. The freedom of God's people in Egypt is a foreshadowing of what God would do for all people. Not just a nation in a historical moment on the planet. This is God's character. This is a God who gives freedom to anyone of all tribes, nations, people, and culture. People who would receive His freedom and relationship from any background. Those are the kind of people who God steps down through Jesus to pull them up out of a pit. Praise God. Which is why we're going to celebrate freedom the right way in just a moment with our communion. Let me not miss the obvious, this last thing, when I think about God being present. Um, what does he say his name is? My name is I am. 
Who, who, who are they going to ask for? Who sent me? How do you know uh, you have the authority to do this crazy thing of setting us free? There's no way that's going to happen. And, and God says, just go tell them that I am sent you. <laughs> Not I was. Not I will be. Now, all of that's good because we need moments in our life where we can look back and go, God was. And we need moments in our life where we believe and we understand by faith, God will be. But when you're in a pit, when you really need to understand freedom, when you're under bondage and when you understand the slavery that life can bring toward you with choices of your own or choices of others, you don't need was and will be. You need is. God said, go tell them what my name is. Now, the name in Hebrew is Yahweh. Now, Adonai is how they would pronounce it later, my Lord, right? Yahweh, though, in Hebrew, there came a point in time where the Hebrew people did not, and I've said this before, did not want to pronounce Yahweh because it was such a holy name. Where did they get that impression from the passage you and I just read? It's a memorial name. It's such a holy name. God says, I'm holy right here, right? So people didn't want to pronounce it. But the... The letters in Hebrew, Y-H-W-H, basically, in English, right, transliteration, um, mean Yahweh. And basically, the translation of that is, I am the one who is. I am a God who is. Ladies and gentlemen, Christians, seekers, searchers, people that want to know the truth, that right there in history of all times past and in our present separates the God of the Bible from everyone else, period. He's not a God who was, who was made up by people, who was made up by traditions, our stories are passed on. God says, I am. He is the one who is, and he still is today. And for you and I as human beings on this earth, we are blessed with a God who is alive, well, present, and working in our lives today because He desires for us to understand the true power of what it means to be set free by a God who loves us. Yahweh, He is, and He is right now. When I look at those two things, that would be enough to call it a day and finish the sermon. But there's a couple more, so I'll give you some overtime, right? Here's number three. When I think of the Lord giving us freedom, true freedom, He is a God who is holy. Our God is a God who is holy. He's not only a God who redeems. Praise God for that. He's not only a God who is present. Thank God that He's present in our lives today. But I think one of the most underrepresented characteristics of God in our lives is His holiness. When Moses shows up, God's holiness is what allows God to be different than all of the other people around and all of the other religious systems and gods of His day and ours even now. It's God's holiness that allows Him to redeem broken people. Thank you, Lord. It's God's holiness that allows Him to be present in our world today, not distant and aloof and uncaring, but very present. It's His holiness that very simply at the basic translation of the word holy means He is uniquely different. 
God in his character and his revelation is uniquely different than everyone and everything else that we would ever think about or hold to. He's holy. Holiness is not merely action, but actions reveal holiness. You know someone's different by their actions, but the actions only reveal the character of holiness. For example, a lot of religious systems are built on you being holy as a person. Matter of fact, a lot of legal and systems of culture are built on you being holy. Be holy and it's good for you. Be unholy and go to prison, right? (laughs) Be holy and good things happen. Be unholy and bad things happen. A lot of things are built on that. What's the difference of the freedom that you celebrate as a Christian today? It wasn't your holiness that saved you. (laughs) Because we are an unholy bunch of humanity in this world today. Just watch the news. Just watch yourself. God is holy. And only a holy God would care about a rascal bunch like us, right? Only a unique God would love people that were unlovable. Only a holy God would forgive that which was unforgivable. Only a holy God would redeem. Only a holy God would show up. Holiness. And he tells Moses, take the shoes off your feet because the ground on which you're standing is holy. Number one, God is revealing his holiness to Moses. But number two, God is implanting his holiness into Moses. You see, there's a, moment, there's a moment when we meet God that we become holy. Now, saved by Jesus, let me paint this out for you, because the reality is saved by Jesus is washed by the blood of Christ, truly saved, washed inside and out. That is scriptural, right? You have been cleansed by the blood of Christ. We celebrate that again in a moment, so I'm building up to that, right? So hang with me right there. That is the holiness of Christ. But the holiness of Christ, then his character transferred into us, then changes what? Our actions. And what you see right here is God says, Moses, take off your shoes. The person that you were when you stepped into this holiness, you will not leave this relationship, that same person anymore. Isn't that good? When you walk out of this moment, you're going to walk out of here a man that has been prepared, a man that has been redeemed, a man who understands I'm present, and you're going to go and you're going to reveal my holiness to my people. All of a sudden, this moment, Moses walks out of this relationship, this burning bush moment, this encounter with God, a changed person. Don't you need that? I need that. Aren't you thankful for that? I'm thankful for that. Our God is holy. He's not like the news. <laughs> Praise God, He's not like a politician. For some of you, you'd say a Supreme Court justice. Or some of you, you'd say, no, I wish he was until they lower the gavel on you. You see, our God, ladies and gentlemen, if you dare to call yourself Christian, is a holy God. And he is W-H-O-L-L-Y, wholly separated from the systems that we see at work in our world today that create bondage. Our God is a God who creates freedom that begins when he implants his holiness through his son, Jesus Christ, into our soul. And then that begins to transform us, maybe slowly, maybe over time, maybe it takes 80 years. Well, praise God it took 80 years (laughs) 
Thank God that at 80, Moses finally woke up and saw that God could use him. And maybe for you today, it's at 34, 35, 45, 55, 14. Waking up and seeing that your God is a holy God, different, separate. And his redemption in your life and his presence in your life, therefore with inside of you, creates a desire to be like him, to be unique in the world. Christians, what a great moment, a great time to be unique in the world, to not be sucked in, which is hard to do because we watch the news, we know the struggles, but to not be sucked in to things that are worldly, but to, or maybe to not respond worldly, but to respond wholly, uniquely different, powerfully different, redemptively different, life-giving different, kind of like being in Romania and oblivious to other things, but paying attention to what matters most. Good news, gospel, life change, heart change, redemption. And that brings me to the last thing. God is a God who is holy. He is also a God who saves His people. God is a God who saves His people. Past, present, future. He is, and he is a God who saves his people. What did he say to Moses? Moses, I am sending you, I'm coming down to build my people up, and I'm sending you to save my people. I have heard my people, my people who cry out. I have seen my people, my people who, my people who are afflicted. Do you realize that as we read the story of Moses, it's a very personal story from God? He's not just saying those people. This is not a random act of kindness. This is a very specific moment where God says to Moses, Moses, I'm going to use you to set my people free. God will save Anyone who says, I want to be your people. God, I want to be your people. God is not limited. In this moment of history, you see that he saves the Israelites from the Egyptians. That's historical. That's a moment of record in history. But it's a foreshadowing of the character of God, a God who redeems, who is present, who is holy, of his desire to save people. Today, he's still doing the same thing. He's willing to save his people. Now, what's the difference? His people want to be saved by it. They realize oppression, slavery, bondage. It's not just physical. Some of it, perhaps most of it, is internal. Internal. It's of the soul. It's of sin. It's of brokenness. It's of chasing things that we thought would bring freedom, and they did not bring freedom. They only bring destruction upon destruction. It's living for accolades of people only to find that that accolade satisfied for a while and it didn't measure up, didn't bring freedom. It's in chasing after dollars and then all of a sudden you realize your dollar, it costs six to get gas, right? You realize you need more and more. It never satisfies. It always eats away at you. All of those things are things that we live with. But the real need is freedom. Real freedom comes from the Lord. 
real freedom comes from inside. It comes from the redemption, the presence, and the holiness of God to save us. And that's what God said He was going to do through Moses, and guess what? He did it. And then He did it again. And He did it again. And He did it again. And He did it again. Can you say in your life, He did it for me then? And he did it again. And he did it again. And he did it again. And you know how he ultimately proved it? Jesus Christ, his only son, the Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave his monogonase, his only begotten son, his one of a kind, his unique son is what it means. He gave his one of a kind son so that whosoever, anyone, any culture, any tribe, any nation, any race, whosoever would believe in him would not perish bondage, slavery, destruction, but have instead everlasting life. True freedom, it comes from the Lord. Very specifically, it comes from Jesus. Do you know who showed up in the story? That's the beautiful thing about the story, and I don't miss this as we get ready to close. It says the angel of the Lord showed up in the bush the angel of the Lord and then he goes on and he says I am and then he goes on and describes himself do you know who that was it was God the Father God the Son Jesus Christ himself showing up there right in his shoulder right in that moment and painting a picture of what he would do for you and for me on a cross that's God I am that's the great I am that's who we worship today. Before we take the Lord's Supper, let me describe it for you in case you've never had that moment of freedom where you gave your soul to Christ. Here it is, very simply. We're going to take of a cup in a moment, which represents the blood of Christ. We're going to take of a cracker in a moment, which represents the body of Christ. And it was the price that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, paid on the cross our freedom. All freedom costs something. And it cost Jesus his life. And he gave that so that you and I could be saved. So that we could have freedom in our relationship with God. So here's the question. How long have you been holding out on God to experience your burning bush moment to receive his freedom? Is it going to take you 80 years? many of you in this room, you already have your relationship with Jesus. And so you remember that. Maybe you need a burning bush moment now to resurrect your faith, right? But not everyone has received Christ yet. And maybe that's you. Maybe it's your time right now, right here, with a God who is present to say, Jesus, save me, forgive me, cleanse me, and set me free. Let's bow our heads. More importantly, we bow our hearts and we talk to God about what's in our soul. Father, in this room today and in our online family, if there's anyone, man, woman, boy, girl, who knows that right now is their burning bush moment. It's their moment to get right with you. A God who redeems. A God who is holy, and right now for them, a God who saves. If 
something you know in your heart right now the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you need to nail down your relationship with God by receiving His Son Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord right now then I encourage you right where you are to pray from all that you are from within deep of who you are God thank you for loving me I know you're here thank you for sending your son Jesus to set me free and right now by faith I ask you Jesus save me come into my heart change my life and make me holy so that from this moment forward I may walk with you, a different person, free. If that is the cry of your heart today, as you are praying, you have entered the family of God, the family of faith. My friend, you are saved. You're saved. You're Jesus. And now as we continue to pray, perhaps Christian, in this moment, it's a moment for you, maybe to take the sandals off your feet way you've been walking, the burdens of your past, and to stand before a holy God who loves you, is present and redeems, to confess perhaps sin, to ask for help in your bondage, to ask for direction in your life. Take this moment right now to prepare your heart so that as we walk into the next moment of communion with Him, of the Lord's Supper, your heart is clean and ready. God, I pray for this family of faith in this room and online, your cleansing grace, the blood of your Son, this holy moment that we have together. God, I pray together that our hearts will be present, will be aware of the freedom and the price that you paid to save us, and that we will be changed more and more like you, a holy God, a holy Savior, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You received when you came in a cup. For those of you online, perhaps you're ready. And if you're not, maybe you've missed the cues. But I'll encourage you to take this moment with your family, those that you love, shortly. Grab something in your household and be ready to use this to remember what Jesus has done for you. But in the room, we have the first part of the Lord's Supper, which, as Jesus said to his disciples, this is my body broken for you. So as you open the top part of your cup, it will reveal the wafer. And Jesus reminded his disciples, every time you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. In remembrance of what? In remembrance of a God who redeems. How did God redeem us? He sent Jesus, whose body was broken for us as a payment for our freedom. As a price given, as a sacrifice made, guess what? For your freedom. So Christian, together, child of God, as we take the first part of remembering what Jesus did for us, we take and we thank Him in remembrance of Him for the freedom. Take and eat. Jesus, it is your sacrifice 
and all of the punishment that you took on us for the cleansing of our souls that we don't have to take that sets us free. We're so thankful. I pray that even your spirit right now continues to work even as we remember your blood. And that is the second part of your cup. As you take your cup and you open up, it will reveal the juice. And Jesus was with his disciples. And this was before he would go to the cross, before the punishment he would take, before the scourging, before the piercing, before his ultimate sacrifice of his life. He told them, this is the cup. And he said very clearly, this is the cup of my blood, which is shed for you and for the forgiveness of many. The scriptures say, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. That's what the Bible says. Old Testament. It's played for it in the New Testament. Jesus very clearly, he sheds his blood for what? For our freedom. And once Jesus sets you free, you are free indeed. And so we thank God for the blood of Christ shed for our salvation, the freedom of our souls, and the freedom to be in the family, his family. Father, as a church, as your children, today we thank you for freedom. The freedom that is true freedom. The freedom of who you are, of knowing you, of being redeemed, of sensing you at work today in our lives, of hearing you call to us to be holy and to know that you really paid the greatest price to set us free. God, help us to remember this as true freedom. And God, I pray for your church, for us, for Christians, to shine this more and more. Thank you for this reminder today in your son's name. Amen. What a great reminder, and I think the appropriate way to set us up for what will be remembered this weekend. Yes, it is Independence Day weekend across our country, but I believe for God's people, the understanding is so much deeper. And so I pray that today you have been moved. And listen, I want to thank you because I also realize this. When we give, like in moments like this, when you walk out today and you give of your tithes, your offerings to the Lord, it's sacrifice. But I I even look today at the church, this church, and what we are doing together, by all of us committing together to be faithful even in our sacrifices of our resources. Even this week, another part of our facility was fixed from the hurricane, be wrapped up at the end of this upcoming week. And that's just a remarkable statement of your faithfulness in giving our faithfulness in sending people to do mission work in Romania when the rest of America, by and large, is sitting around going, what do we do? (laughs) We sent six people out of our church in lowly New Orleans, struggling post-pandemic New Orleans. We sent six people out of our church to help Ukrainian refugees and Romanian orphans. That's who we are. That's what we do. Now, I can't share all the good news because in two weeks 
you're going to get to hear some amazing stories of salvation and life change. So you'll want to be in church for sure on the 17th because it's going to be a great day to hear that. But here's the thing. How did that happen? The sacrifice of our tithes and offerings. Everything great that happens, happens because someone else gives something great for the freedom of someone else. So thank you for being obedient in your faithfulness with your tithes and your offerings and your giving. And as we continue to move through the summer, thank you for getting back in church. Thank you for recommitting to your God. Thank you for being a vessel of freedom because the greatest thing that men and women need is the freedom that comes from knowing Him. Knowing Him through His Son, Jesus, and the life that He gives. And I'm so thankful for that. Let's stand to our feet today. And as an anthem of faith and celebration as a part of our family, let's sing in thankfulness to our